Have you ever been called a band geek, a theater nerd, cyber dork, studio rat, gamer punk, orchestra dork, book monkey, drama jock, poindexter, artsy fartsy, or just plain weird? Well then, welcome to Art Nerds. This is the podcast where we sit down with our nerdy friends, embrace our inner geek, and celebrate our art. And welcome back, my friends. This is Art Nerds. This is the place where we talk to our nerdy friends about their art. Uh, today, my name is Michael Bryan, and today with me across the table, I have a good friend of mine. His name is Mr. Phil Strang. How you doing, Phil? I am doing great. Good, 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 good. Phil and I met just recently. Uh, we did The Tempest here yes. in Champaign-Urbana with... Champion six, of six, seven months ago? Yeah, yeah, it was about like something like that. And Phil is a multi-passionate artist. I will let I will start you off with that. And Phil, I'm gonna give it over to you. What is your art? Okay. Um Oh, I started out uh, playing in bands. Um I did a, a folk rock trio called Bloom and Brownfield, and then did nothing for a few years, just wrote songs, and then I started a band called The Rocking Clones, so we could play my original songs. Uh, did that for about three years. Uh, then that caused me to get into doing musical theater. Uh, I knew Rick Orr at the Station Theater. I used to go see all the shows there. And he said, uh, would you ever audition? And I said, well, if you did Grease. So he <laughs> said, okay. So about a year later, he goes, oh, we're doing Grease. You going to audition? I said, uh, sure. And I showed up and he already cast me. Um, <laughs> I was Johnny did, Casino. Did he do the show for you? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, but he saw a spot where he could get me into it. And uh, and then once I did that show, I was totally, you know, as they say, hooked. And uh, I did mostly musicals at first, but then I started doing straight theater. And next thing I knew, I was in like 30 shows in 10 years. And Wow. It was, it was a wow experience. Um, and so that freed up my the, the music part of me and the acting part. And it was about... Ten years later, that I got actually into my painting part. So I had done a bunch of art before that. I did all the advertising right. for record service, and I would get other artists, and I would put ads together. Oh, so but, you were in advertising as well? Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, really, I, I got my degree uh, from the University of Illinois in radio and TV communications. Uh, started out in architecture, switched to uh, accounting. Because <laughs> I didn't want to take a foreign language, and I was good in math, and uh, but then did psychology for a year. I was really into child psychology and that stuff, but I knew that I was going to get into radio and TV communications. You just couldn't do that till you were a junior. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's changed. It's all changed. Yeah, but but it was all really good experience. And and while this was going on, we started Record Service, which was first a record ordering service uh, when I was nineteen and uh, uh, a junior. And then it grew into the record service, which was what I did for 34 years. I don't know if you were around. I, I, I wasn't. We closed in 2004, March of 2004. We started in 1969. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't in town. You weren't born probably for part of that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was all a great experience. But, um, but once we closed the store down, I was free up to uh, to do whatever I wanted, and I started painting. I don't know why, especially, uh, but we had a bunch of glass. And I thought, what am I going to do with all this glass? And yeah. I said, well, maybe I'll paint on it. Yeah, because this is, this is one of the reasons I asked you to do this interview is your glass painting. So <laughs> Yeah, no. and it, Not knowing everything else. So I didn't know anybody else who did it, and I didn't even know how to paint on glass. 
but I did some research. I got uh, PBO paints, which is a French craft paint designed for glass and ceramics. And I just started playing around and, uh, and I really liked that. And for 16 months, I was looking for work and I was painting. Um, and that kept me pretty busy. Kept you sane, did it? Huh? Did it keep you sane? Yes. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> um, and, and just got so I felt really comfortable doing it. And I found that I didn't know anybody else who was painting on glass. And I thought, you know, I could be the 10th best landscape watercolorist in town, but that didn't really appeal to me. I mean, Don Lake was like <laughs> way too good and, you know, but, uh, I thought I'll just do something that nobody else is doing and see how that goes. And, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I still do. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely lovely. And it's, and you're right. It's got its own. We'll put some links in the descriptors where you can okay. hopefully see some of it. Yeah. No, we should. Uh, but yeah, it's beautiful, and it's a one of a kind style, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're a musician first. Sure. <laughs> vocalist. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Actor. Uh huh. Um, entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> and now painter. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do I start? I, I really I, don't know uh, because, and of course, while I was doing all this, I was, you know, I mean, I was working full time. I also was playing softball from, I was 20 till I was 47, which was also a passion of mine, sports. Right. Um, and just uh, basically enjoying the good life of Champaign-Urbana. That's marvelous. So, okay, so if you had to pick one that was your absolute favorite of all the different things you've dabbled in. Wow. Dare I ask. Well, they all meant different things at different times in my life. Okay. So I would, I'm happy to say that whatever I'm currently working on is my favorite. That seems fair. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I still love everything I've done. Some things I wish I could have done a little bit better. I mean, I, I go into everything head first, not necessarily with proper training or anything. I just learn as I go. I, I use my passion to keep me driven. Um, and uh, it seems to to work for the most part. I mean, I, there are people I see what they do, and I'm like totally amazed, and I try not to compare myself to them on any level. I just say I'm doing the best I can, and I'm learning, and I'm right. continually learning. Do you, that sounds, to me, that idea of I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to learn as I go. And get better as I go seems to be vital to being to the, to that artist mentality of being an artist. Well, I think too many talented people are afraid, and and sometimes if you go and major in music or art, the pressure to follow certain rules and a certain path are incredible. Yes, um, I had none of that. I I really got to choose what I was doing, why, and how. And uh, I think that worked for me. Um, maybe not for everybody, but it's right. I, I always encourage people to to follow their instinct and their drive. That's interesting because I, I teach theater. Because I come at this podcast from a theater perspective, mm -hmm. and uh, despite, like you said, in the in academia, um, there's this notion that this is the way to do it. There is a way. Yeah. Whereas. In my experience, much like your own, there's no single way to do anything. No. So, you know, 
teaching in a, a small college, you know, yeah, you can teach it the way, but it's more fun to discover how these students are doing it their way. Yeah, I think that's great. And to encourage that. Yeah. Um, which I think you'd probably get that opportunity at Parkland that you might not get at a specific art school. Or, right. You know, um, so, yeah, I mean, just letting people discover yeah. what, what they are doing and what they're good at and, and who they are. I mean, obviously, I studied uh, some Van Gogh. When I was an architecture major as a freshman, we had an art, freehand art class. One of these classes, it's a five-hour class, you get one hour of credit. I seem oh. to have a lot of those kind of classes <laughs> yeah. at the beginning. And, uh, and the teacher said, pick an artist that you like. Copy three of their pieces. Then go out and do three original pieces in that style. Oh, and I thought, what a great way to learn something. What an interesting prompt. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and it really, it taught me a lot. It taught me that I wasn't good enough is what it taught me. But it was still, <laughs> at the time, it was like inspiring to look at Van Gogh's work and to see what he was trying to do. And and it caused me to study his work for years. And I still do. I mean, yeah. he's still very influential, even though I've... I've probably steered away from his specifics. Uh, it still has uh, influenced me a lot, especially his use of color. and Yeah. But now that you say that, especially with Van Gogh, I can see that influence in your current artwork. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's not Van Gogh. It's not an imitation by any stretch. But that that not quite, you know, it's it's not photographic by any stretch. But there's there's a style hint yeah, that has influenced your work, and and that I think you've taken away the That's, impressionists in general. Yeah. have have I've been influenced by, and I enjoy them tremendously. Yeah. So right now, you would say that your painting is your favorite. Your your oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Though I mean, I enjoy uh, producing shows. I mean, I went you know not only did I do probably fifty shows over a period of ten or fifteen years, and even got my kids involved in theater and got right. my kids involved in sports. But um, getting directing and then producing, producing is is really it's just a different form of teaching and encouraging mm -hmm. people to find themselves and and uh, and Mary, my wonderful wife, Doctor Mary Welly Strang, uh, <laughs> is um, is phenomenal because she's gone through this all through grade school up through high school with all of her kids uh, doing theater and producing shows and oh. and so. She convinced me that it's something we can do together. And I said, well, we'll do one a year. Of course, we've done at least two shows every year because <laughs> and you, she's driven. I, I, like I said, I met Phil and his lovely wife, Mary. You were producing right. The Tempest. Yes. And you guys work very well together. Thank you. You work amazingly well together. Yeah. she. Uh, and she, it was a good experience. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. And, and, and she, Mary is very well organized and, and she likes to take the lead. And I don't have a problem with that, even though for the earliest part of my life, nobody ever told me anything. <laughs> I guess I didn't <laughs> listen. But no, no, we do work well together because we each have our strengths and uh, sure. And I'm willing to let her drive most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. There are moments. Yeah. Um, tell me more about your music. I'm like, because I came into his house to, uh, I, I came into the house to set up and there's a poster of the Elvis Brothers. Right. And it was this three-guy group, kind of rockabilly, old-fashioned rock and roll, 
doing original songs in the style of that stuff. And I felt I saw these guys when I was a teenager. Uh, they were down in St. Louis doing a show. Saw them, fell in love with them, bought the album, and played it till I broke. Played it till the cassette tape fell apart. Right. How do you, how did you know the Elvis Brothers? Well, Just out of sheer curiosity. They're from Champaign Urbana. Are they really? Okay. Yeah. And of course, having the record store, the hip record store in town, I knew every musician in town. Oh, and a third sure. of them worked for me at one time or another. And then and these guys. They'd all been in other bands, and they got put this together just for fun. And we'd go out, and a bunch of us would go, and and they got bigger and bigger and more popular and more popular. And and I said one time, they even let me come up and sing Hound Dog with them. So I became <laughs> a, an Elvis brother cousin. Um, <laughs> an Elvis cousin. Yes. and uh, But the, we always loved them, and, and they're still really good guys. And uh, I still have some contact with each of them in different ways because – Graham Elvis is now an artist also. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Brad still plays drums, and he's been playing with Romantics, and then he and his wife, Chloe, have a group called The Handcuffs up in Chicago. Uh, and Rob, uh, the guitar player, uh, plays with his son in a band. Um, so these guys are still doing it, still They're... kicking it. But I was always into promoting and all the local local bands. And it used to be local bands would sit around and go, well, we're, I'm going to wait till we get a recording contract, and that, and I'd say no, no, put out product, put out product. If it's if they hear it, if it's good, you'll still be able, you know, to get a contract. Well, the Elvis Brothers didn't even have to put out anything; they were so good they caught on right away, which was great. Yeah, but a, a lot of bands would be like, put out something, do it, do it, don't be afraid, just get it out there. And a lot of them did, and and some of them got recording contracts. Some of them just had local product that sold really well. Um, and that was always fun too, because I probably spent five nights a week at Mabel's um, when it was the you know the place to go right. and see live music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you consider yourself a teacher? I mean, because I'm, I'm starting to put this together. I, I have grown into that. I think having kids um, makes you a teacher. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't get married till I was forty. Uh, well, my wife came with a, a two-year-old son who instantly became my son. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a daughter a year later. Um, working with kids, uh, helping them through school, helping them through life, teaching them the basics. You know, Both my kids played a lot of sports. Um, they've always been pretty active and imaginative. I got them involved in theater. Mm -hmm. you, you realize that that's what you are here for. You're here to teach your kids and help other people and other kids. Right. Uh, and I didn't know that until I had them. Right. Yeah. I've, I've got two daughters in their mid-20s right now. Wow. Yeah. So they are. And you're right. Like You learn very fast <laughs> how, to, how to do it right so they can do it right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was uh, definitely, you know, maybe that's my favorite experience is raising two kids. Yeah. But I, I ask you that because there seems to be some very similar tone to the different phases of your artistic career mm. as a record uh shop manager and near producer right you're always in the you're the guy in the back go do this go do this here's here's how here's how here's how uh today as a producer in the local theater com companies right you know you're gathering the talent you're encouraging you're putting it together you're making, you know, it's basically project-based learning mm -hmm. for some of these kids, mm -hmm. for no, some I, of us. I, I agree, and I think that's, um, I, 
I just met this afternoon with a friend of mine who's also an artist. And I've done, the time I've known him, encouraged him to do more art, to encourage more art. Like for his birthday, I gave him a, a gift certificate for Michael's. Get more, you know. Oh, go get the get stuff. stuff. Yeah. Get it, do it. <laughs> I just talked to him about maybe we'll try to do a, a show together sometime in this November, December of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I enjoy that aspect as much as any of it. Just talking to people and encouraging people. We, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but we had a, a group we've had for years. We haven't met in the last couple of years called the Art Nerds. I don't know if you've ever heard that. But here you are, the Art Nerds podcast. But we had this group called the Art Nerds where we encourage artists to bring their art in and we talk about their art at the meetings and stuff. I Okay, I started this podcast ooh, earlier this year. Early, early, early this year. Okay. Finally got it going. Um, I just got, is that the same Art Nerds group that's on Facebook? Uh, yeah, a, yes. Is that yes. them? Yes. Then I do know of them. Yeah, we haven't met much in the last two years because of COVID. We've had a right. couple Zoom meetings and a couple other things, but but yeah, it's- uh, Yeah, no, I uh, I actually, I, I joined the group. I am oh, part good. of the group and I asked, I put it out to the group, is it okay if I- Throw some art nerds podcasts on the website, and I don't know six, eight of them. Yeah, eight well, good. said, "Yeah, let's hear it." Let's and hear there's it. a lot of other artists that you can in- yeah, interview. Yeah, and, and I think that's, from that. But again, it's that idea that that you you're very comfortable be not in the spotlight. I guess is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're a performer too, but you know, one of the things as a performer, you're not playing yourself, right? Uh, and I think I learned that I'm much more comfortable being somebody else. Matter of fact, I used to love playing the bad guy because <laughs> I didn't, villains always fun. They are. It's it's meaty. You get to say and do things you wouldn't do otherwise, right. <laughs> and you're not playing yourself. You know, if I if I had to play myself, it would be a lot harder, mm-hmm. uh, much harder. Um, and and theater, you get to pretend you're somebody else. And even when I was singing in a band, my character was named Phil Seven. We were the Rocking Clones. I was Phil Seven. So it wasn't necessarily me. It was a version of me. It was me. still a persona of sorts. Right. And I would sit down and I could list who the other six versions of me were at the time because I was doing at least seven things at once. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, performing. Even even when you play sports, you're you're playing a role. Granted, yeah. Yeah. That and makes sense. Um, And I think I've always enjoyed that. Uh do you let that? Do you let the persona down, like when you direct or? Uh, it's a different persona. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a different. You know, yeah, there's different. Phil forty two. Yeah, <laughs> well, almost, almost like that. Um, yeah, we all have different strengths and that we use at different times. You mm-hmm. know, if I'm um, out driving a car late at night and it's bad weather, I'm I'm. Uh, Certainly a different persona than mm-hmm. Phil was thinking about what he's going to be painting. Right. <laughs> you know, um, there's just situations that call for different versions or variations. That, that's, uh, that's an interesting way to put it. Because I've never – it's always a matter of – you know, in theater, you, you talk about the mask. You know, mm-hmm. the, the thing you put on for other people. But you talk about it as – it's not really a mask, but it's just which facet is facing forward. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, and I if think that makes sense. I think that's true. Um, yeah. I uh, don't think when I was in my twenties I understood all that, but as I've gotten older and more mature, and 
one of the things we realize is it's not all about you or it's not all about me. Um, and, and even in my artwork, I think that's clear because I, I am influenced by so many different artists and so many different people and so many different things. And sometimes it's a dream I had and I, I got to paint that or, or, uh, I just read a book by so-and-so and I want to show what that meant to me or, you know, right. Um, and sometimes it's just, um, would you do a portrait of, of my roommate and I'll pay you this amount of money? I said, yeah, sure. I, I'd do that. Uh, it's just all, it's all fun and different. It's, that's marvelous. I mean, I think, I think that's, um, it, it's inspirational in the sense that you can look at it, look at everything that you do as just, yeah, why not? As a different facet of just who you are and yeah, go for thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And, and as you can see, we're, I'm also an art collector of sorts. I yes, don't have anything I, there's, there's fancy a, or expensive, but local artists, um, photographers and some of work is mine but a lot of it is just other artists i've come in contact with yeah I yeah there's a ton supportive. of things I'm, I'm looking at the stuff over here uh yeah. and i love the double eggs <laughs> mark anthony is it yes. really yes he did a whole series of eggs and oh that's great i said i want the one with the two eggs i want that one <laughs> um now you uh, where do you uh, you talked about van gogh being at least a beginning for your painting inspiration mm -hmm. Are there other inspirations or other people who inspire you? Or oh yeah, definitely. And and uh, I mean, a lot of the the classic artists have inspired me one way, especially the impressionists. I mean, I've done I've done things that are based on a Monet or a Matisse, mm -hmm. uh, Dali. Um, I, I did a Lichtenstein piece. You know, some of the more modernist, uh, uh, just things that you know. I, I love Frida Kahlo. I don't know if I've done work that is like hers. Though some people said they could see a little influence. Um, it's just uh, the, anything that shows some kind of passion and desire and something that's out, outside the box, almost. You know that. Okay. That's just the person's putting themselves out there. Georgia O'Keeffe. We went down oh, uh, yeah. last year, year and a half ago, to Santa Fe to the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum and uh, got to know her stuff even better. Um, we go to the Art Institute probably twice a year. Yeah. You know, then we also go up to Steppenwolf probably twice a year. Oh, so, you know, yeah. we try to cover so you, all of it. So when you're, when you say you're an artist, you're, you're not pigeonholing yourself into any one. Oh no. Art form. <laughs> no, no, I mean, these days mostly I paint, but that's not all for sure. Right. And, and then one thing I haven't even mentioned and you may not even have known or noticed, but about mm, eight years ago, I lost most of the vision in my left eye. Oh, really? Uh, I, didn't I had know this. A, a tumor on my optic nerve, oh. and uh, I was seeing this doctor every month, and he said, well, "You know, we have to keep an eye on it, make sure an eye on it. Yes, definitely. Oh. Um, make sure that it's not growing." And then when it started to grow, he goes, "Okay, now we have to do something." I said, "Well, what are the options?" He said, "Well, I have this uh, this surgery that I've developed. It's called a golden plaque, and we slice your eye open, put this." radioactive piece about the size of rice into the eye and we try to aim it at the tumor which is behind your eye and if it works it kills it and then you're okay and i said well god i don't what's my second option <laughs> he says well we can just cut your eye out completely but can't put it back in or the third option i said i said well, so what is the third option he goes well you die I said, let's try that first one. That doesn't sound so bad at all. <laughs> well, I can eliminate one right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we did that. And uh, 
and it killed the tumor, but I still have a dead tumor on my optic nerve. So I only have about 22% vision in my left eye. Oh, interesting. So I can't see. If I close my right eye, I can't see you. I can see things on the side here, Periphery. peripherally. Yeah. But, uh, and that, of course, changed my painting quite a bit. Because I, I work small and I work close, and all of a sudden, I'm only, I can only see half as much. Right. Uh, that's when I started doing more abstracts, especially the, the splatter work. I did, I did, of course, study Jackson Pollock a bit and found out that he stole his idea from this woman named Janet. I can't think of the last name right now. It starts with an S. But she was a mother of two kids and had the same uh, agent that he did, but she didn't have the time to go out and be Jackson Pollock. Um, but yeah, I, I learned a lot about using colors and concepts and and uh, and that was opened a whole new other door for me and working on canvas instead of glass. Uh, I did do one uh, splatter abstract on glass just to see how it worked and it, it came out okay. But, yeah. uh, but basically I do the abstract messy work in the garage with newspapers all over the floor and then I do the the glass work the more detailed finite pieces right. on a on a desk up in my studio upstairs um and so I liked finding that other side too because I was worried I wasn't going to be able to paint at all anymore uh and that was upsetting um sure yeah I can I can be yeah cuz I I'm uh I build I make stuff I make yeah. tiny tiny so losing the my when my hands get sore like it, it, it's frightening. Yeah, especially I have arthritis. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, and uh, so I, that last quarter of an inch, and you're trying to hit something. I don't have that. <laughs> mm. That that depth perception. I mean, I'm good. You know, a foot away, six. But that last quarter of an inch is really hard for me. Right. So I can't really draw a straight line, which is also <laughs> well, also it's good. I'm an impressionist. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh. You know, it's learning to adapt and, and learning. I don't have the energy. I mean, five years ago, I maybe painted 80 paintings in a year. Now, maybe I do 20. Right. Uh, partly it's energy. Partly I'm, I don't need to add more uh, canvases and pieces to my studio upstairs, which is already pretty full. <laughs> they don't sell nearly as fast as you paint them, um, unfortunately. But still, it's, you know... Obviously, I've never done it for the money. I mean, it's nice when I finally figured out how to break even, which was like three years ago. I think it was the first time I actually broke even on my artwork. That's a milestone. Yes. I mean, because <laughs> I don't think I've ever broken even. <laughs> well, yeah. And, 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 and now that if you're directing, you have, you're getting paid more to mm -hmm. direct. You can actually sort of break even. You're still spending a ton of money on stuff anyway. But right. You, you have a chance to at least not lose money. Right. I can at least... Yeah. not worry about <laughs> yeah. going to get the extra bits and bobs, right? I also think what I also am finding very admirable is the fact that, just, you know, for example, your eye. Mm -hmm. You know, this thing, this this tumor happened to your eye. You had it worked on, and the vision's different. But, I mean, there are people out there I know would just say, I got to find something else to do or quit. Yeah. But you didn't. You're just like, okay, well, how does it work with just one eye? And you went at it. <laughs> <laughs> one of the first pieces I painted was called um, Frustration. <laughs> and it was a nice splatter piece, a lot of purple and black in it. And yes. And and so I learned how to express different thoughts and opinions. I even, for a couple summers, would teach 
what I call the Splatter 101 class. And I would, for, for 50 bucks, I'd say, okay, I'm going to give you a, a 12 by 12 blank canvas, and you can pick any five colors, and I want you to come up with a title. And then, uh, you know, I talked them through some of the history of, but I said, but then I want you to use that and those colors to express that title. Oh, what See, a, another good prompt. I've always yeah. thought that, that titles were important. I know people who don't title their paintings. I go, how can you do that? But but as a starting point, especially for I mean, teaching. Right. As a yeah. starting point, it's it really, I think, is I, inspirational. Yeah. And sometimes if I would paint, if I didn't have a title at first, I would certainly come up with a title while I was doing the painting. Because mm-hmm. it would come to mean something different or, you know. And, then, uh, and it expresses what yeah, it is. Yeah. God, when you go to a, an art show and it's untitled, number one, untitled, number two, or some of them aren't even numbered, I can say, oh, I like that untitled one back there. And let's go, which, which one? one? The one that's got the purple and yellow in it, the little less purple and yellow than that other one, you know. <laughs> Please. Right. Yeah, you know. no, no, that makes sense. Oh, it's so hard to title stuff. It's not that. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, but I think it's it's interesting, too, that you said uh, in the course of painting or in the course of creation, oh, now I know what it's about. Yeah. So you're not, you're not aware of it right off the bat. Not always, it, no. I mean, sometimes but, it's But nice. it does come to you, I think, is yeah. the fun part. It's, it's, sometimes it's, it's fun. Okay, I'm going to do a painting called Contrasting Opinions, which is what I finished a couple days ago. And then I decided, okay... And I drew out something on a piece of paper. And I said, all right, I think I know how I want to do it. And it's it's got a black canvas and it's got uh, some jagged lines through it. And part of it is blue and part of it is red. And I decided the red part was going to be on top, pressing down a little bit on the blue part. But the blue part really had the majority. Um, so you can get a political affiliation or a oh, concept blue, from that. Right. But you didn't have to. You know, I wasn't... But... Um, and but, I felt very strongly about that piece when I finished it. Yes, that's what I I want it to be. Um, so it's it's fun uh, just to work on stuff out of the blue, right? But that but it, yeah, your process sounds a lot of fun and something. And I, again, it's something new to me because I don't I don't work that way. Uh-huh. But I can see it working beautifully that way. Yeah, and and I'm gonna have to try it now. And uh, the friend of mine <laughs> who I was who I met with this afternoon is like, I, I just haven't been inspired. I don't know what to paint yet. I said. Do a self-portrait. See what you come up with. And if you don't like it, then try a different one. You know, get some ideas of what, of <laughs> how, how you want to express yourself, how you want to show people right. who you are. Um, just something different to do. I don't know if you will, but I thought, he said, yeah, I might try that. Yeah, just a little tiny. Nu- yeah, but it doesn't take much then, does it? No, <clears throat> no. Um, of course, one of the tricks is knowing when you're finished. I know some really, really talented artists who have trouble ever putting that brush down because they don't, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I'm going, if it's 98% done, it's done. <laughs> don't ruin it. Don't get too obsessed. You know, it's just, sometimes you just have to say, I'm done and let it be done. Right. Um, I was just going to ask you if you believe in that idea of it's never done. Well, I, there are always, I can always see things like, oh, I could have fixed that, oh, that one little spot there. But you know what? The imperfection is part of art. Yeah. I don't ever try to be perfect. I mean, I, I know I, I'm not in anything that I do. Uh, nobody's perfect. And so to accept that imperfection and, and to roll with it and to, you know, 
use it in your to your advantage and not be upset about it. Right. Well, like you said, it's it's the artist's hand. You yeah. see the fingerprints. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Which is, is kind of lovely. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I do. I'm... Um, talk me through your process of painting on glass, because because um, then you you also go to you have a big tent at the art shows, and you sell prints and stuff. Right. How right. walk me through that process, and well, how did you get to that? So, <clears throat> what happened was when we closed down record service in two thousand four, I had all this glass, and I said I'm just going to paint on it. And then I had to find out what paints would work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to just play around and see what. And I would draw stuff and I'd go, oh, I don't like the way that came out. And then I found out, well, obviously, if I work from a, a, a photo, that helps me a lot. Okay. And sometimes I can even outline the from the photo onto the glass and then paint it from there. So I've got a... a, a Instead of drawing, you know, when you're doing a canvas, you might draw on with a pencil. Right. Well, this gave me a drawn outline with a... Kind of like a coloring book start of sorts. Yeah, up to a bit. And um, and then I found that with the, with the PBO paints, which is the type of paints that I use on glass, you have to work flat or else it runs. It's a, it's a liquid... Oh. It's a water-based paint. Which is why I like it also because it doesn't smell. It's easy to clean up. I hate oils I, <laughs> for many reasons. Uh, they don't ever dry, you know. So you work with these paints, and within twenty, thirty minutes, what you painted is dry, and then you can do the next coat. Most things, I, I um, try to do, draw it out, then do a coat, and at, at that point, I go, okay, I'm sixty percent done. Then okay. I do another coat, which is the next twenty percent, and then I do all the details and the shading, and that's the last twenty percent. Okay. And if I break it down that way in my head, then I always see that I'm progressing. Instead of going, I'm stuck oh. at this part, I'm stuck I'm always moving forward. So and the I, material itself dictates how you progress yes. through your ideas yeah. and your So I I'm process. currently working on a portrait of, of a, a friend that I was hired to do by one of his friends and his and his partner. And uh it's like it's harder to do a portrait because one, it has to look pretty much like the person, or at least <laughs> um, sometimes you want to make sure that it doesn't make the person look too fat or too old, or you know, <laughs> right? You can't get too uh, far away. Whereas uh, otherwise, you know, if you're doing just a, a painting, it doesn't matter how much they look like who they are because you're just doing your own interpretation. Um, and I like doing dogs and cats for the same reason. No cat ever came up and said, I look too fat in it. <laughs> um, Nobody cares. Right. Um, but it's, but I, but I, every time after I, I sit down and paint, I put down, okay, I'm now 19% done. I'm now 20. And that way I have this progressive chart. And if someone says, oh, how, how much have you done on my painting? I go, oh, I'm, I'm 37% done now. <laughs> and they go, how do you know that? I said, because that's how it goes through my head. Um, and sometimes that last ten percent takes a lot longer, and sometimes that last ten percent takes two strokes. And right. I go, yeah, I'm done. Interesting. Um, but that helps me finish, and it helps me move forward. And so, uh, when you work on the glass, you you're not working, you're not like back painting the glass. You're painting on no, the I'm front, paint- and you're painting up, and you're. But I learned a couple things. So there is a school of glass painting, 
there's a Japanese school and the and there's a Belgian school where they do paint on the back. And the Japanese one, most of what I've seen is it'll be a globe and they paint on the inside and they paint everything backwards, which right. from I the find foreground impossible. to the background, yeah. Right. So I mean, if you're if you're writing a word, you're writing it backwards. Mm. Uh, what I found is I paint mostly on the front, but if there's sky, I'll paint the sky on the back of the glass, and then it gives it distance and oh, depth. Interesting. Uh, eyes, not always, but on the one, I have one called the Eyes of the Wild, and it's basically of a wolf, and the blue eyes are painted on the back, so it looks really deep. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and there's just water. Often I'll paint on the back also to give it some depth. Um, I did one of um, a jellyfish, and the whole jellyfish is painted on the front. But then the water and all the discoloration and things in the water is all on the back. So the jellyfish stands out, but it has the depth of the water behind it. Interesting. And it's just the depth of the glass is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But that's enough to put it almost – it almost gives it a bit of a 3D effect. You know, and so people who see my work for the first time, they go, how do you make it, you know, that – 3D or how do you? <laughs> and I said, well, it's because I paint on glass, you know. And I, I'm always willing to share that with anybody, you know. And if somebody wants to try it and just do it on their own, please feel free to because it's not always easy, and sometimes it's quite frustrating. Sure, um, but it's also, I think, very rewarding, uh, challenging, and rewarding. I think those are two good things to go together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this we call PBA, PBO glass. P E B E O. It's the paint. P- okay, PBO. PBO. Or, or PBO. It depends. I've heard it said both ways, but okay. it's French craft paint. And it's gotten harder and harder to find. Matter <laughs> of fact, here was my uh, my recent shopping list from Dick Blix. Uh, I use both the Vitria, which is totally for glass, and the porcelain, which is for ceramics. And every year or two, they discontinue some of their colors and they make more... And it's hard to find it anywhere. One time, Michael's had, one time Art Coop had it, and then they stopped. And then Michael's had it for a while, and then they stopped. So nobody locally has it. And so I I go through the list, and I mark off what I have. And I've got 20, 30 colors that they don't even have on their list anymore. Matter of uh, fact, sometimes I'll go on eBay and seek out to see if anybody has a copy, have, has a bottle of uh, Estorel, which is my favorite brown color. Or hematite was my favorite color for so long. It's a, a bluish gray. Oh. And yeah, you can mix a blue and a gray, but it's not consistent and not the same. And I loved hematite. Uh, and they stopped making that about five years ago. Uh, and at the time, I found a place that had three bottles and I bought them all. <laughs> and I just have like a quarter of a bottle left now. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's like it's like this little game I, I play. You know, I went, to, I went to the Dick Blicks in Galesburg, and I got 11 of the 35 bottles I needed. Then we went up to Wheaton, Illinois, last week, and I got nine more bottles. So I still have, you know, 17 bottles I need, or I'm probably never find half of them. Uh, do, you, do you do a lot of mail order then? or Some. I, I bought a few on, um, on, on eBay, but, you know, then even if they're paying, charging you a fair price, you're still paying shipping and tax. Sure. Which, of course, you pay tax anyway. But I saw one of the paints I wanted that somebody in Japan was selling it for $499 a bottle. And this is paint that should sell for $899. $499. 
How I'm did, like, why, why? Why? Is that just cover shipping uh, from Japan? No, that's that's probably shipping not included. Or is I'm that getting, just oh yeah. nobody makes this anymore? Somebody soon. Somebody later, wants it bad enough, they'll pay it. So anyway, and it's, <laughs> so I laugh sometimes, you know. But it's like if you ever look at anything on eBay, the prices range yeah. incredibly. Um, Agreed. And so yeah, that's one of the things I keep thinking. I'm like, how long? How much longer am I going to paint on glass? Well, let's see. How much longer am I going to live? If I could figure that out, then I'd know how much longer. <laughs> <laughs> I got to measure out your paint till mm-hmm. this day. It'll last me till the last day. <laughs> yeah. You got us a, a few crumbs left. <laughs> I want to have something left besides just pink. <laughs> <laughs> now and but uh, then you take your your pieces on glass and then you right. have them. I have everything scanned, scanned and photographed. Dixon Graphics who I've been working with them for 10 or 12 years now. And I also have my, my canvases scanned there too. Okay. Uh, and then from that, you can print it out on paper. Okay. And they do, I have two, I get two two qualities of scan. One, a smaller one that I could also show in Facebook or in an email. But I also get a larger one that I send to Fine Art America, which is a company where I have my website. And they can print stuff on lots of, in lots of different formats. That's where I get my cards made. Okay. So they make my cards for me um, and they print it from the scan I have. So it's always high quality. And I have had a couple times I've had a painting that's like four by five inches or eight by 10 and done a print that's four feet by five feet. The quality of the scans are that good. Oh, that you... That I can have them printed ten times their size, and you don't lose anything. That's great. Yeah, and and when you do it with a so, what is your largest painting? I mean, so well, my a, largest painting. Um, what's a rough average? The largest one probably on glass was probably twelve by sixteen, or something. So like you see the unicorn and the lady over there. That's a print, but the actual painting of it was probably that size. Here, I'll, let me bring yeah, it over. Yeah, no, no, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a. Uh, that was one of the early pieces I did, and it was based on an old um, medieval Looks tapestry. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, which I had fallen in love with when I was a kid. My sister took me to the cloisters in New York. And oh, neat. I loved those. So I was inspired to do that, and that was probably 80 to 100 hours of work to do that original painting Wow! on glass. And I actually sold it last year for, for 600 which was a pretty good deal because I had originally <laughs> priced it at 1000 But sometimes Still. when somebody comes around with money... Yeah, okay, I can sell it for less. <laughs> we'll because you have to price your art as if it was in a gallery. You can't have two different sets of prices because then it's not fair to a gallery. Right. Well, I'll just wait till it's not in the gallery anymore, then I'll buy it cheaper. So you have to set your price so that if the gallery's taking 40 or 50%, you're making enough. You're making what you want out right. of it, right. So I try to I try to stick with that, except I'm not in a gallery. Well, I'm in the vault in, in uh, Tuscola. But, but for the most part, and then you're allowed... To make you know, people always want you to uh, make a deal. You know, I don't, I don't know if you're a car mechanic if people do that, or, or if you're buying tickets for a show. But for some reason, people think artists you can haggle with the artists. Yeah, because yeah. artists are all starving, and they need the money really badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, but that's it's tough. I did it once. Uh-huh. Haggled with a guy who commissioned me to build a couple puppets. Right, and. Just fought with him back and forth. In a, in a, uh, I don't even remember the details. I don't remember the money. 
But I remember being so relieved that I'm not dealing with this guy again. Yep. And that was the last time I ever. Yeah, no, it's it just you have considered to, money in that that capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's obviously one of the good things if you're doing a, a portrait piece, you're commissioned. They understand what the cost is going to be upfront, mm-hmm. and that's what you stick with. Um, but yeah, if you know, I did a show, and the guy, oh, I like that piece, I like that piece, uh, hemmed and hawed about money. Finally, bought one of them, but it was like he, he just wanted too much of a deal. Give me a right. deal, and I'm like. Ten percent is fair. I can do that if I have to. Right. I'd rather not. But but asking for asking like for a piece of art for half the price. Yeah. It's like people don't get it. They don't understand the hours, the and the skill and the uh, whatever you know mm-hmm. and the imagination. Whatever it takes, they're not right giving they, you any credit for that. No, I, I. What I do, materials are dead cheap. Yeah. Um, but it does. It's. It's hours in the workshop. It's hours designing. In your head. Yeah. You know, and then the, how many hours did it take for you to develop that brain to create these ideas and designs? And then, yeah, it's so, it's so much time. Of the arts I've done, uh, the one uh, that you make the least amount of money doing is acting. <laughs> <laughs> Though I have, I have done some <coughs> gigs where I got paid for acting. But for the most part, you're doing it for free. And right. It's costing you money to, you know. Right. I mean, but especially at our level here in yeah. Champagne, where, you know. And then, you know, as a musician, you don't you don't make a dollar an hour, you know, for mm-hmm. the most part, for time rehearsing and traveling oh. and all everything else. You know, we used to play some gigs and had to pay the sound man his 25 bucks. So if we had, we could have paid 50 bucks to be the opener for. John Cale mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, and then a guitar player needed a new set of strings. Well, there's, tw- you know, so yeah. about that five bucks, each one of us got a buck and a quarter. <laughs> um, yeah, a buddy of mine plays upright bass in a rockabilly band. Yeah. Yeah, and, oh, the amount of effort and time, I mean, it's not a big setup, but it still needs a pickup truck and a trailer. Yeah. And it's still he's still there five hours ahead of the gig, mm-hmm. and he's there three hours after the gig, and it's just and those damn drummers, <laughs> <laughs> all that gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they sound great. They put on a great show, but yeah, it's work. It is. It's, it's a, a lot work. of work, and people just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. Uh, you know, you just that's part of what you put up with when you're doing any kind of artistic endeavor. Sure. Yeah, indeed. Um, let me, okay, let me throw some like rapid fire, James Lipton kind of questions at you here at the end. Um, what about your art turned you on? Um, coming up with something new that I haven't done before. And that's not always easy. Or painting something and having it turn out even better than I imagined. That's like, oh my God, there's something (laughs) in here other than me. You know, that's the great feeling. You know, it's it's um when you amaze yourself, and and that's you know that may sound silly, but the more you do, the harder it is to amaze yourself. Right? Does it happen a lot? Uh, not a lot, but <laughs> when it does, it's it feels great, and that's that's not a, the only yeah. reason I do something. But yeah, it's like oh, but my those God. moments like that's that's something new. That's, <laughs> I really, and then sometimes people get it, sometimes they don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like one of my paintings I did last year it took me four months, and I absolutely love it. It meant so much to me 
and my wife loves it too. But for the most part, I don't get much response to it. It's you know, I doesn't click with people for some reason. It's the audience is too narrow. <laughs> I guess <laughs> on that yeah, one. yeah. It's called uh, the Last Chance Motel, and it's we drove through um, the. The lower, the lower part, the part of Colorado that nobody goes through, the, <laughs> right. which is the northern, the northern part that goes into northern Kansas where there's nothing. You know, you got 100 miles of Colorado with nothing and then 150 miles of Kansas with nothing. <laughs> and there's towns that are dried up, old, beat up towns that maybe five people still live in. And, and, and anyway, this was a motel probably from the 60s or 70s or maybe even older. And it's the remains of it. And I always love remains of old places old barns the old abandoned old, kind of yeah. stuff yeah um but this one just it really clicked and the painting came out better than i imagined and i felt really accomplished and then yeah, people don't go oh no that's my favorite no, they kind of oh, no, 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 no. oh that one i like you know it's colorful this one's not it doesn't boom there's no fireworks in it i guess right but it meant a lot but it evokes that it, 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 there's that emotional response yeah. that you yeah that you personally get out of it if nobody else does. And that's and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. What about your artwork that turns you off? Uh, the fact that I have my studio where I do my glass work is upstairs and I have trouble going up and down the stairs sometimes. Oh. And there are days, sometimes a week at a time, I can't convince myself to go upstairs and paint. That's interesting. No, my my I just interviewed my daughter who's a voiceover artist and sound engineer and she said the same thing there are days when it's just it, the motivation oh. is just so difficult yeah and then at least i can go out to the studio and just throw some paint <laughs> go to, the garage. Here, to the garage and just throw some paint and get out of my system but yeah there are times it's like i really need to go upstairs i need i need to and it's um it's hard sometimes mm -hmm. i just don't don't have as much energy as i used to is it the desire's gone or just? It's a combination of things. I think I, a lot of it is I just don't have the energy level. Sure. Um, and so the energy to get myself upstairs and be in the right frame of mind also and be able to sit down and work. And sometimes it's, I only work for 15 or 20 minutes. And sometimes I can work for an hour. I used to be able to go up and paint for four hours. Mm -hmm. I can't do that anymore. Uh the flow, as as they call it, is could be amazing. I don't have time or energy to get in the flow very often, so that I miss that. Right. Um, but it's okay. It's just part of it. You know. It's just the evolution of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, is there is there any other? I mean, I can't imagine you've you've dabbled in so many. Is there any other form of art or type of art that you have that you would like to try that you haven't yet? Wow. Um, let me think. I think I've tried almost everything. I'm going to say, I mean, even in this this short conversation we've had, uh -huh. you've mentioned, what, two dozen maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. And, and um, I mean, yeah, I think I've tried almost everything. You know, I've even tried gardening. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that good at that. But, um yeah, but is, I, there, is there something out there that you know that you haven't tried that you might like to someday? I, I cannot think of anything. I'm sure after we're done, I'll come up with something. But um, not really. Um, you know, doing all the aspects of theater—that's always been amazing. Doing all the, you know, 
I mean, when I had a band, we put out a record. You know, I did did everything I could think of. I did the cover for the record. Did you know? Wrote songs. Wrote songs for other people. Um, I think everything I could imagine trying, I have tried at least once. Maybe not successfully, but I have tried it. But you've done it. Yeah. yeah. Well, then let me put it this way. Is there an art form out there that you know you would never want to try? Um, um, <laughs> and again, you're, you're probably the most prolific artist I've <laughs> had on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I, I would not do, want to do anything that hurt or damaged somebody. Um, you know, I, I know I've seen some musicians who hit themselves in the head with the microphone or, you know, or mm. just do break stuff. That's never appealed to me. Okay. Um, yeah. But no, I, I wish I was, a, um, could play guitar. I mean, I, I learned a little bit, could do three chords, but never could really play guitar. And at this point in my life, that's not even an option. I even gave away my guitar several years oh. ago, but it's just not, I can't see. I'm I'm half deaf in my left ear. I'm half three quarters blind in my left eye. I always tell my wife, if you want me to see you and hear you, sit on my right side. <laughs> if you want my full attention, it's over here. If you want, you know, of course, she likes to drive most of the time. So I said, then, you know, you have to talk louder <laughs> because I can't hear you. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I You know, I, I've tried almost everything. I've, I have never done racing cars, but I've done a lot of driving and raced a car that I shouldn't have been. Um, <laughs> I used to love horseback riding, um, but I can't do that anymore either. Um, I think, you know, and I raise kids. Like I said, I think that's, that's my, that's been my favorite most, uh, uh what's the word I want? Rewarding for art I've ever done. I think it's lovely that you sit that you consider raising your children as an art form. Oh God. Yes. It's so important, and yeah. and uh, I think people who don't get that really are missing something. Yeah. Um, One more question to kind of round out the interview, and you may have just answered it. I don't know. Why do you participate in art? Not just your painting, not just one of this, but just in the lovely world of art. Why um, do you participate? Well, I think because to me, it's amazing on many levels, and I'm – I can be amazed by what I do, but I'm even more amazed by what other people can do. Um, uh, Cindy Sampson, a good friend of mine, one of my favorite artists. She just does incredibly great work. She's been a trained artist. She's worked at it for 40 plus years. I, I just love her work completely. Um, and then, and I mentioned Mark Anthony, who probably is the most prolific artist you'd ever meet. Uh, I think there's never been a day that's gone by that he hasn't completed a piece of artwork. He does a lot of montage pieces and some small pieces. Okay. But he's always, boom, the circles are always working. And uh, I think when I met him once, he had said he'd done over 6,000 pieces. And I bet he's another, done another 6,000 since then because he's just wow. that prolific. Yeah, because um, I've, uh, I've, I've interviewed a few, a few other people in the community have been on the podcast and they've mentioned Mark Anthony as well. So yeah, yeah, apparently no. I got to get a hold of him. <laughs> you should, you should. He's a very interesting character for sure. Um, and then, um, well, my, my step child, uh, law, Laura Ann Welly. Yeah. My wife's oldest. Um, I love their work. They, 
they're someone who never thinks that they're done. Um, which, <laughs> you know, they're just, they do some fantastic stuff. Um, I always, if I do a show, I always want them to be in the show also. Because right. I think their artwork is great. Yeah. Um, and so, and there's, you know, I, I just like the, the process. I like the results. I like matching up people with their art. And sometimes it's what you'd expect. And sometimes it's like, how does this come out of here? Uh, you know, um, and ag so, yeah. Again, I think you come, whether you realize it or not, from the perspective of a teacher. I mean, you're always, again, you said it again. I like matching people up with their artwork. I like seeing how they produce and how they yeah. blossom and grow. And that's either parental or teacher or. Well, it's also a great way to get to know someone. Yeah. You know, I like people. Oh, yeah. I mean, not, not nearly as much as I used to just because. <laughs> It can be tiring. <laughs> I don't have the energy. <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, getting to know someone through their art or, you know, it's even, maybe it's, it's even more than getting to know somebody through their music. I think art even comes from a deeper place a, a lot of times. Interesting. Okay. Um, and I love theater also. Yeah. Well, so, so would you say that, let me see, how am I going to phrase this question? Um, would you say that artwork shows you more of a person than just a face-to-face -face meeting? Sometimes. Some, definitely. I mean, it it can show you a depth that you may not get unless you know somebody pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. Then again, it, you know, here's a good example. I know it's on radio or on film. Anyway, nobody can see this. But this is a piece we bought in uh, Kansas City a couple of years ago, and it's just a print. Um, but I loved the guy's concept about it's sort of about a future world after radiation has destroyed most things, and what's things that are left are these right because uh, broken down places. Yeah, it depicts a what potentially could be an old gas station, gas station or motel with a right and broken it's, out um, sign. Yeah, and the color the coloring is a very uh, surreal uh, almost coloring of and uh, yes, not a not and a I thought. Oh, that person must be fascinating. And I never met them, but I saw some of their other artwork and different project, and it was not at all interesting. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, you can't always, but it's just nice to know that this stuff comes out of somewhere, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And, the, and then this piece I love because this was a guy in town here who died a few years ago, and I wasn't even familiar with him. His name is David Forster, Forster I think, or Foster. Foster, F-O-S-T-E-R. And uh, this was an early piece of his from like 1955. And his later stuff I didn't like as much. He got into um, his own style, you know. So hmm. something that you could say, oh, yeah, that's a David Foster. Well, this one, not necessarily like that. But I loved this painting. And it was like, you know, I could get it. I could afford it because it was the last day of his pieces. So it was half of half of what it had been. Oh. So I could then afford it. And and it's a little beat up around the edges, but I just loved seeing that and, and trying to get into his head as a 20-year-old art student painting that and then seeing what he did <laughs> 30, 40 years later, you know, and that was the piece I liked the best. It, uh, the, so you do read people through their art? Oh, you have to somewhat, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I no, think, I, yeah, but I think you're, it sounds like you're more in tune to it than a lot of us. I mean, I try never... Uh, to um, 
uh, overread or uh, not give anybody credit. You know, sometimes I see art and it doesn't move me. That doesn't mean I have anything against the person who did it. It just, uh, but just to see, like I said, what can come out of somebody. Mm-hmm. And and when I'm amazed, that's like, wow, how did he do that? Where did that Where did that come from? Where did she see that? What part of her brain? You know? Yeah. Okay, absolute last question. Okay. Um, where can we see some of your art? Ah, good one. Okay. Well, I have a website, um, which you can read it off there out loud. Facebook, Phil Strang Artist. Yes, that's a good place Webs- to look. Uh, but- and the website, one-phil-strang.pixels.com. Right. And do you mind if I put these links on in the descriptors? That'd be fine. Awesome. Yeah, so that, I mean, that... that um, Website, I think I mentioned earlier, is with Fine Art America, uh, which is, I just got into it about 10 years ago. And uh, I said, oh, I'll just, you know, if you show less than 25 pieces, they don't, you don't really get a website. They just let you post it and then somebody could buy copies of, you know, you can't, they don't sell originals, but you can sell prints and cards and through it. Okay. And, uh, and then once I started doing it, I said, oh, this would be great. I could have everything I paint available. In, in any format. So I've got over 650 pieces on there now, um, including some photos even. But for the most part, it's it's various paintings I've done. And I don't even put everything on there because if I don't think it's good enough or that anybody would ever want a copy of it, I just don't do it. Plus, it costs money to scan pieces. So if <laughs> I have older work that I just don't think is that great, I just don't bother to get it scanned. And it just sits you know, in a corner. But how do you know it's not going to make contact with that one person somewhere? <laughs> I don't always know, obviously. Um, and I've been wrong about some things. But if if I have five paintings and I can only afford to put two of them online, I pick the ones that, right. that I feel like represent me. And I say that teasingly because you're so – you've talked about so many times about, oh, yeah, that one person got that one piece. Yeah. And that amazing connection is yeah. made. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, that's – as long as I'm alive, I'll still be painting. That's marvelous. Yeah, and it, like I said, uh, his his paint uh, paintings on glass and canvas, beautiful stuff, absolutely beautiful. My wife and I saw his uh, his work this what, what weekend ago. Uh, first time I saw everything at under your your tent at the oh, art right. show. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. at the Urbana Market. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah lovely, I, lovely stuff. Yeah, and that's all. It's all prints. That are like twenty five or thirty bucks, and cards that are five dollars. Yeah. So it's very affordable. It's a very easy way for me to share my work without someone having to say, "Oh, I can't spend four hundred dollars right. on an original." So, but yeah, so it's, it's it's great stuff. Phil, thank you very much for allowing you. me to invade your kitchen and uh, spending the afternoon with me. I really well, I think appreciate the, it. The dog was very happy that you were here. And, and <laughs> Somebody I think the cat was okay with it, so that's good too. So, yeah, <laughs> made a couple new friends today. Uh huh. <laughs> Thanks for hanging around and geeking out with us. If you enjoyed the show, hit the like and subscribe buttons. And more importantly, join the conversation and leave us a message or comment. We'd love to hear about your nerdy art. Thanks again, and join us next week for more Art Nerds.